Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast. This is the Midas Touches. I'm your host, Tris Chusa, and this is Charlie Bradley. hope you guys enjoyed that intro as much as we did (laughs) um so this is a brand new podcast where we're going to be talking to you guys through racing selections for the coming weekend on top of this we're also going to be getting in an interesting person that either me and charlie can somehow get on the phone each week to tell us a bit about their life and crucially pick three horse selections for the weekend for whatever reason they choose it could be the color it could be the name it could be because um they know those about racing yeah (laughs) one of those three reasons also it's worth mentioning before you guys think that we're no hopers we've managed to secure england and lions rugby star tom curry is coming on the podcast next week i do not know how he said yes but somehow we've got him to come on without further ado let's move on to the first race which is the two o'clock from Newbury which is the Virgin Bet Horace Hill Stakes, a group three for two-year-olds over seven furlongs. Just running through the market, um, Noble Truth currently heads the market for Charlie Appleby at five to two, following by Huyamal for Andrew Balding at four to one. Light Infantry, who is hugely impressive on debut at Yarmouth, is at five to one. Dubai Poet, Roger Varian, 15 to two. Boundless Ocean, an Irish Raider, for Jim Bolger at 10 to 1. And then Cresta for Martin Mead is at 11s. And the Royal Ascot winning Chipotle 12s for Eve Johnson Horton. And Spirit Catcher at 14s. And when we're 16 to 1, bar those. Charlie, it's an interesting race. Looks a bit of a matchup at the top of the market. How do you see this one? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is an interesting race. And, and, I have to say I have a, a lot of respect for the top two in the market, Noble Truth um, and Hu Yamal. Um, obviously, their form ties in very closely with each other. Um, Hu Yamal uh, lost last time out by a nose to Noble Truth, who then went on to um, come a close second to Angel Bleu at, um, at uh, Paris-Longchamp for the Jean-Luc Lagardère uh, Group 1. Um, so that form line looks particularly strong. Um, I am actually going to stay away from the favourite just because um, it's nothing against him necessarily. But I think at the prices, um, I would rather be backing Hu Yamal. Uh, I think he hasn't been seen uh, since that defeat to uh, Noble Truth uh, where he still uh, showed some signs of greenness I think um, he was awkward leaving the stools um, and he was actually last off the bridle uh, in that race um, to be headed by Noble Truth and then um, battling back to be as close as the nose I think was a, a really valiant effort and um, he was still learning a lot uh, during that race and for that reason I think um, 
at four to one, he's certainly in my mind he's he he's a value bet really. Um, I think we can eke out a bit more improvement from him, um, and that's all that's needed to uh, go and do the business here. And and how do you view the less exposed runners? You know, light infantry obviously hugely impressive on debut. Spirit catcher equally so. Redka the uh, the last day, and then obviously that Jim Bolger raid at Bounders Ocean. Do you see any of them figuring? Um, you know, hitting the places. Yeah, light infantry was one that uh, that I had a look at. Uh, there's already been quite a significant market move from him, and given it's already Tuesday, it's only Tuesday rather. I think that's that's possibly quite telling. Um, he's been backed in from from an open price of thirteen to two um, to now be as short as five to one. I think best price actually. Um, so yeah, he definitely commands respect. Um, but in my opinion, it really is a, a matchup between the top two in the market and, and one of these will come out on top. And I, uh, my hope that it's going to be who you are out. Yeah, I, I think to be honest, I'd be um, I'd be siding with you here. Um, I mean, we we were saying off air that obviously who you also holds an entry in the Verton Futurity later on in the card at um, Doncaster. But uh, just on the prices currently, it seems like he's likely to to line up here um being a four to one shot um yeah and also just just on that i think um even for the for the vertem itself uh i wouldn't put anyone off having a look at him uh and i think that probably says it all really you know if, if he's if he's good enough to to go close in my mind in a, in a group one then he, he certainly should be good enough here um so so only time will tell but but i think um he's quite a strong selection for me yeah i think to be honest i'm in agreement with you here i i mean i i really like um light infantry on debut um but you know it's hard to it's hard to say with any sort of certainty how strong that first race was um Huyamal really looked like he had done the business in that Doncaster race against Noble Truth but actually was was done on the head bob um and then you know Noble Truth has had an extra run this season uh sorry an extra two runs over Huyamal so you know arguably there's more improvement to come from the Andrew Boarding one um so yeah it seems like we're we're in agreement on this first race um so who you are mal for andrew balding um and thank us later when this one comes and wins so the second race that we're going to look at today is the 235 at newbury which is a one mile four furlong group three the st simon's stakes where currently siskini heads the market for charlie appleby and godolphin Without a fight for the Chrisfords is in at four to one second favourite. Il Arab for William Haggis, eight to one. Max Vega, who was a disappointing favourite last time at Newmarket, eight to one. Angel Power, nine to one. And Alunak is the last one that we're going to talk about at 12 to one for Andrew Balding and Sylvester D'Souza. Interesting race on paper. Um, clearly a strong favourite. Um, Charlie, I'm going to let you give your analysis um now yeah i mean i i think you said there a strong favorite and um i had a look at this race i had a look up and down the card uh and there's obviously a lot of a lot of uh, old favorites of ours in there um horses like alanak or, or desert encounter extra elusive um they're all great horses who have served um their respective owners and trainers very well um but i think I'm probably not going to look any further than the favourite here. Um, Siskani is a big improving horse for um, 
a really, really strong yard um, this season more so than ever. Um, I think that uh, Charlie Appleby holds all the aces here. Um, yeah, I mean, his horses, the one mile fort, he has absolutely dominated that division this year. I mean, yeah, his- Hurricane Lane, Adeor, and Yabir all picking up massive group ones. And exactly they're, they're not bad yardsticks and, and i'm sure appleby knows how good siskini is here and he's probably picked out a race just for him um i think um a gelding operation um before his last run um has really helped him out he uh, had a tendency to be a bit of an awkward horse before um he used to wander around a bit um which had caused him problems um, in races. Before. The gelding op seemed to straighten him out last time um, and he got the business done. Um, and I'm hoping that he can do the same again this time. Um, the favourites of this race don't necessarily have the strongest of records. Um, three winners uh, from the last nine runnings of this race. Um, but having said that, it's tended to be quite an open uh, race. Uh, there's only been two favourites who have uh, been priced up at lower than two to one for this race one of them uh went on to win uh in a dead heat finish actually and then uh the other one was a close-up second that horse being uh N- Nichols canyon um who i know we're talking about the the flat here but he he ended up being a pretty good uh horse over jumps winning winning seven uh grade ones willie um yeah, that I mean that's pretty strong word. To be honest, I am I know this is reasonably boring given it's our first two races ever on the podcast, but I mean for me Siskini just really looks like a no-brainer. I mean, those ones in behind like without a fight, yes, he's won his last two, but they were both in four other races. And field size is often really key and here we're we're likely to get you know up to 10 runners. Um, so there could be a bit of pace on and for me that's just going to play perfectly into Siskini's hands completely agree that Charlie Appleby holds all the aces in terms of the one mile four furlong horses this year and you know I just think he's really he's really got this race by the scruff of the neck so I think we've got that that second race more or less tied up there we're going to go for a touch break see you after the break Welcome back to the Midas Touches episode one. And we're now going to tackle our first feature race, group one of the podcast, which is the Vertum Fraturity Trophy, group one action at Doncaster. This is a mile contest for two-year-olds, really the crowning um, race leading towards the 2000 guineas next year at Newmarket. And Luxembourg currently heads the market for Aidan O'Brien at 11 to 8. That's already been backed in from 6 to 4 literally since we were uh, since we started recording this podcast. Royal Patronage comes in at 11 to 2, second favourite for Mark Johnston. Um, Angel Blur for Rafe Beckett, 13 to 2. Bayside Boy for Roger Varian at 9s. Imperial Fighter Andrew Balding at 10s. And you've got Buckaroo for Joseph O'Brien, Glunthane for Aidan O'Brien at 20s, 
who Yamal, who we've already discussed, is also entered in this. And then Sissoko for Donico O'Brien at 20s. And it's 33 to 1 bar those. Luxembourg, obviously very popular at the top of the market at the moment, being a reasonably stereotypical um, Aidan O'Brien um, Verton Futurity Trophy, as it now is, um, runner. Uh, Charlie, how do you see this one going? Yeah, so I think I want to just tackle the favourite first. Um, I think, obviously, it would be no surprise to either of us if Luxembourg went and won. Uh, but that being said, um, Aidan O'Brien is in really dreadful form. I don't think there's any any other way to put it. Um, it's it's something that we really haven't seen. Um, uh, his his dominance over the last few few years has been clear for everyone to see, um, and it's just not something we expect from him. But he, he he's he's had uh, three winners from his last fifty six runners uh, at a strike rate of five percent. Yeah, I mean, this is really crazy for 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 a trainer who has genuinely dominated racing, not just at the top level, but but throughout all um, echelons of horse racing. To see him with a strike rate like that it is genuinely hard to believe. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing to note with these horses, uh, you know, if you if you dig a bit deeper into it, it's not even as though these are absolute no hopers. Um these are horses that are beaten favourites. Um, uh, five of them were horses uh, who went off uh, at around even money. Uh, only one of them won. Um, and, you know, those horses also include horses like Snowfall, who ran um, last weekend and yeah, was turned I mean, over at odds Jesus on. Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, Snowfall almost, I think, probably epitomises his season. Uh, the fall from grace there. Obviously, I think no everyone took those uh, Oaks races with a pinch of salt, but even still, uh, to see her get turned over now three times in a row is a bit disappointing. Yeah, I know. This, this is a filly who won the Oaks by 16 lengths. And, you know, that's really a fall from grace. For, for a filly who was, you know, as short as two for one to the arc at one point. And... Um, you know, she didn't run around about a bad race in that in that in the end, but um, you know, really, really yeah. disappointing. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and I mean, I may I may live to regret saying this, but I'd be pretty happy laying Luxembourg. I think that he's not going to go get the business done. The first big place lay of the podcast, Charlie Bradbeer, place laying Luxembourg eleven to eight favorite for the verse in fraternity. You're going to get pretty good good odds about that. If you if you go through Betfair Exchange, um, you can probably place lay it around 1.5. I would have thought, uh, which means you know if you want to want to lay it for 20 quid, it'll only cost you 10 quid. Um, uh, yeah, so that, that might have been a bit punchy, but uh, but I'm going to stick to my guns there and uh, and say I want to lay Luxembourg. But then actually that takes me on to my to my real selection for the race. And that is Royal Patronage. Um, Royal Patronage has had a very different sort of prep coming into this race. Uh, he's run five times already this season compared to Luxembourg's two. Um, but he showed a lot in those five runs. Um, he has recorded three wins in his last three. Um, and the form that I wanted to take from that was the Royal Lodge run at Newmarket. Um I think that race was really hot. I think uh, if you look at who's come out of that race since, uh, Caribus being one, um, who, who went and won a, a group three next time out in Newmarket. Um, 
then you had uh, Unconquerable back in third, uh, who was ahead second in a Group 3 next time out. Uh, and then you've also got Masakaila, who hasn't been seen since, but um, two races before that run uh, had finished a short head second to none other than Native Trail, who uh, by all accounts is the uh, best two-year-old at the moment in Europe. So I think we can we can um, put a big positive next to a big plus next to that form. Um, so yeah, for, for me, I think Royal Patronage, uh, one mile definitely suit, ground's not a problem. Um, look, Mark Johnson isn't necessarily known or associated to these uh, types of races um, for as good a trainer that he is. Um, but I, I, I don't see a reason why Royal Patronage should be 11-2 to here, apart from the fact that Luxembourg is, um, you know, making that price a bit juicier for us. Okay, so Royal Patronage for you. Um, for me, I'm going to look a little bit further down the market to um, Bayside Boy of Roger Varian, who ran in the Dewhurst Stakes um, on the 9th of October, coming in a worthy third against Native Trail. Um, the real swinging point for me on this one is that he's got an extra furlong here. He now goes over the mile, um, and in that Dewhurst Stakes, he was held up and was making a bit of ground on the on the front two at the at the finish. And I, I think that that is going to really come into his strength against a lot of horses who have only really won over um, seven furlongs. Um, Angel Blur obviously has had his best form on um, very heavy ground. And, you know, it's it, it, I don't think you'd be an idiot to say that this could be one run too many. And it also maybe a bit of an afterthought given that he was probably targeted quite heavily towards that Prix-Jean-Luc Lagardère yeah, um, I, in I, which he did win. But I just I just want to say on that point as well, um, Angel Blur's now run seven times this season. Um, I look back through it and since uh, Camelot won in 2001, Camelot won this race in 2001, uh, no horse has managed to win this race. Um, we had over five runs um, before in their two-year-old season um and so i i think as much as i don't usually like to look back at um you know these types of trends not necessarily these specifically i mean obviously uh trainers targeting races is different um but i do think that's probably quite telling and, and i think you're right i think um angel blur might be you know he's he's had one race too many this this season okay so it seems like we are pretty firm in our own selections here but we're going for different ones so for me, Bayside Boy and for Charlie, Royal Patronage. Why don't you put them in a reverse forecast and make a few quid if it comes in? The next race that we're looking at is the 350 at Doncaster, which follows that that group one. Um, this is a six furlong listed race for two-year-olds. At the moment, Flaming Rib heads the market for Tom Dascom at 11-4. We've then got Gilded for Carl Burke at fives. Rafe Beckett has Deodar at sixes. Manakan comes in here for John Ryan at 13 to two. Barbanera for Richard Farhi at eights. Tolstoy for John and Thady Gosden also at eights. Gold Metal at 12s for Richard Hughes. Mohi for Clive Cox at 14s. And finally, and pertinently, Gisburn at 16s for Richard Hannon. If I didn't already give it away, Charlie... Who's your selection in this? Um, 
Well, we we were talking off air about this earlier, uh, and I know you're not very keen on this one from me, uh, but I am going to put up Gisburn um, for our good friend Michael Cardenin. Um a friend of the podcast, Michael Cardenin. <laughs> um, look, I think if you look at his last two runs alone, you you're going to think he has absolutely no chance in this. Um, he's run fifteenth and tenth. Uh, on his last two um bear in mind that was uh in between that was a 116 day break um so so clearly something wasn't quite right uh, but he hadn't managed to fix that by the next run um so off of based off that alone i don't think you could be overly confident um but going to that run um the first of those um two bad runs um, th- that was at Ascot for the Royal Ascot meeting um, and uh, where he nearly went off favourite for uh, the Coventry Stakes uh, two-year-old race. Um, and he, so he was clearly held in quite high regard at that point. Um, he did finish nine lengths back in 15th, um, but it's probably worth noting that uh, in front of him there was none other than Angel Blur, who we've already mentioned for the uh, Vertem Futurity. Um, so even as far back as that in that field, um, there have been some horses that have come out of the woodwork. Um, look, this bet isn't necessarily a strong one. Uh, I think I'm kind of hoping that... Um, He's more going to return to that form that saw him uh, absolutely bolt up um, on his on his um, second appearance, which was in Newbury. Um, and yes, that might be uh, based on 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 current form. That might be a bit of a long shot, but uh, at fourteen to one, I'm, I'm I'm willing to take a punt there. Um, you know, it's a very backable each way price. Um, and I'm willing to give him a shot in what looks like actually, um, I think you probably agree to as a really open race. Yeah, it does look an open race for sure. Um, the one that actually I fell upon when I was looking down at this was the Brian Smart trained Parisiak. Um, this one's once raced. And I think that given the price, if he does turn up here, um, there could be something about him. He beat Eldrick Jones into second on his debut. As yardsticks go, probably one of the best um, out there, given that he's pretty much run in every single form line there is. First, you know, big run of the year was in that uh, in that Coventry Stakes at Ascot, finishing second behind Berkshire Shadow. Then went to Newmarket in the July Stakes, finishing fifth behind LaSalle, ran behind Angel Blur, then LaSalle again. Um, and then behind Noble Truth at, at at Doncaster so we've got a, a horse who's beaten you know a pretty good yardstick who'd already had um uh, you know about six runs and I think at 20 to 1 if that one does turn up here Brian Smart has had a reasonably good season having Bond chairman um who you know who ran pretty well for him earlier on in the season for the two-year-olds and I would, in a, in a race where I don't really have a massively strong opinion, I think I would probably fall upon that one. I wouldn't be um, making out and get heavily involved in that race, I'd say. I think uh, it, it's a bit of a minefield, that one. Yeah, watch um, carefully and uh, don't go spending your last uh, two quid on it. Buy a bacon roll from Greg's instead. We're going to go for a quick break. Um, we'll see you after the jingle.
Welcome back. We're now moving on to our last race of this, the first podcast ever. Um, so this is a five furlong sprint, a class two handicap at Doncaster, the 420. We've got Rassel heading the market for Mick Appleby, who obviously won that race under William Buick when he was fighting for the title challenge against Asheen Murphy, which he sadly lost. Um, Boundless Power comes in second in the market, seven to one. Illusionist for Grant Tour, eights. Zargon for Scott Dixon, also at eights. Then you've got Dakota Gold for Michael Dodds at nines. Sunday Sovereign, the XRS trained um, horse at nines. Indian Sounds for Paul Midgley at tens. Copper Knight, Tim used to be at fourteens. Danzino also at fourteens. Lahore for Philip Macon at fourteens. Premier Power at fourteens. And L Astronaut at sixteens. And bar that, they haven't got a f- chance. So, Brad Bitt, where do you see this one going? Yeah, so I think this is a bit of a tricky race to work out. You've got a mixture of agreed up-and-coming handicappers and then some horses like El Astronaut, like uh, even Sunday Sovereign and obviously Dakota Gold as well, um, who have in the past been challenging in much stronger races uh, in Pat and company, uh, who've probably, I think it's safe to say, have had a bit of a fall from grace uh, since. Um, the one I landed on here, um, and again, I think like the last selection, is a bit of a tentative one. Um, Mate, you're really, you're really maxing out on the tentative selections here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I always get a bit scared by the price. And... Uh, at Don't fourteen be to one, by the price. at fourteen to one, I have gone for a Premier max bet. <laughs> what was the horse? Just remind us. Uh, that is a uh, Premier Power trained by Roger Varian, the inform Roger Varian. Nice. And what his form figures? I, I'm reading. It looks like a f- phone number, mate. Six eight seven nine five. Uh, yes. Again, uh, much like the last election. Uh, the recent form possibly hasn't been um, much to write home about. But I think the key here is this drop down to five furlongs. Um, last time out, uh, he was tried for the first time over five furlongs at Haydock, where he finished uh, fifth of ten, um, beaten three and three quarter lengths by Mondemege. Um That was... Um, I think quite a good run. Um, I think that um, this five furlong trip uh, um, has started to show him to best effect. Uh, it's worth remembering as well that he was uh, a pretty good performer on the all weather. Um, he uh, racked up a couple of wins and a, and a very close uh, or two very close seconds actually on um, uh, in his all weather career. Um, and moving to turf, he hasn't necessarily been um, amazing, but um, in defeat, uh, he has also not been embarrassed. Um, those losing margins were five lengths, three lengths, and uh, as I said, three and three quarter lengths, um, by no means um, disappointing at all. Um, I think also it's worth noting that that Doncaster run um, the time before, um, he when he was three lengths behind uh, Hurricane Ivor, um, it was mentioned after the race that he'd actually lost a four shoe. Um, so I think you'd probably be going to upgrade that performance. Um, and for that reason, and also the fact that um, Roger Varian at the moment, um, while some of the other top yards, um, barring Charlie Appleby, 
um, have maybe been a bit quieter at this time of the season. Roger Varian's still firing them in. He, he, he's he's um, operating at a 23% strike rate. And, um, you know, I think that that um, helps me helps me to, to, to recommend him for this one. Just to remind everyone listening that Roger Varian also trains Bayside Boy, which I gave a very strong word for in the Vertum Fraturity. Um, for me, I see... Two horses running quite well. I love El Astronaut, and this is one of mine um, who is tumbling down in the weights, having had, let's say, probably only one good run this season um, at Goodwood against Lord Ridderford. But as we were saying earlier, also been running in pretty high company, and you can't expect these sprinters to finish at the at the front of the placings every single time. So I think this one's got one big day in him again. Um, I do like that run behind Lord Ridderford. I like the fact that he's got course and distance form. And, you know, he's a 16 to 1 shot who has had his day. And if John Quinn can get him there um, in, in good form, then I think he'll definitely show his true colours. The other one is Dan Zeno, who goes for Mick Appleby, who actually has two at the top of the market at the moment. I like this one um, because... The two runs before his last at Ascot, where he was admittedly last of nine, um, he won at Beverly over five, beating Dubai Station. Uh, the time before that, he also won again at Nottingham. Both times he was under Ray Dawson, who gets the ride again. You know, he's not moving anywhere really in the weights, so I think he's going to show himself to good effect here. Um and you know as we've already discussed these five furlong sprints are definitely hard uh, to get a big angle in um so if you can if you can find something at a price and i think all three of ours um are then you know you're not doing the worst thing um so for me it's probably el astronaut to beat danzino um and then premier power for brad beer back in third if we land that tricast um We'll probably all be millionaires and uh, we won't need to do the podcast ever again. But yeah, so I think that pretty much ties up. I actually I actually do have one more um, comment to make on this race. Okay. Um, I just want to touch upon quickly uh, Copper Knight. Touch. Um, he has recently been bought back by uh, his former owners, Ventura Racing, um, having spent a bit of time... Um, uh, with Midland Park. He's had one run since being back um, with those owners um, at his favourite course, York. Um, it, by the way, if this race was at York, um, I'd be tipping him up until the cows came home. Um, he absolutely loves the place. Um, as does Tim Easterby. As does Tim Easterby. Um, York specialist, local to the course. Um, a great trainer as well, by the way. Yeah, um, agreed. But yeah, so that run was at, at six. This is dropping back down to five. I think um, at five furlongs, he he can uh, he can be seen to best effect. Um, so so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe run into place as well. But it was more actually the point of um, he's back with his old owners, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah, that is nice, mate. Well done. Um, that ties up that race. Uh, let's open up the question of um, other meetings, other races. Uh, what is your nap of the day? 
uh well my nap of the day does not come in another race it, it we have <laughs> we have we have already covered it look i think um Siskini is obviously a very um solid bet uh but for the first podcast that we're doing i don't really want to be putting up a favorite here at seven to four um so i'm gonna go for the first horse that i put up um which was uh huya mal uh at four to one in the horace hill stakes uh i think he'll run a really big race and i'm just hoping he's gonna uh, overturn that form with noble truth lovely and then my nap is siskini for me just uh, stinks of a winner so that is uh that's my nap put him in a double and um you know we'll enjoy the fruits uh next week um that ties up what's been a fantastic first podcast i hope you guys have enjoyed it um watch the racing on saturday with um grit and determination and hopefully we can get a few of our um selections over the line um like share and subscribe to this podcast tell all your friends about it tell your parents about it tell your cousins about it and um yeah we'll see you next week it's goodbye from me tristan tusa and it's goodbye from me Charlie goodbye <laughs>